The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 42. Two Days Till Christmas. December 1882. Denver. Paris sat at the kitchen table. She could hear the dull murmur of the crowd in the other room. The bar must be full by now, and it wouldn't be long before she was called out. She remembered the stories her father had told her of the matches he had had. She remembered the story of Black Kevin and the barn, how he sat amongst the hay bales waiting. She looked around her dressing room, her kitchen. She had made a pot of coffee. Then, Thinking it over instead, she convinced Penthesilia to leave her a glass of whiskey. The pot, a mug of coffee, a small plate with a cookie on it, and the glass of whiskey sat in front of her. Getting in a bar fight was different. There was always anger and fucked up words. Challenges and adrenaline. Just to end up fighting some jackass because he had said something stupid or tried something stupid. That was different. Having a prize fight scheduled? waiting the two days it took to get here, the hours up to now, the minutes possibly left. The back door was right there. She could just leave. But she wouldn't. This fight was an inevitability, and she knew she was certain she would win. But something seemed wrong about intentionally starting a fight. Naomi stepped through the door to the kitchen. As it swung open and closed, Paris could hear the sound of the crowd suddenly loud and then soft again, muffled by the door. Naomi walked across the floor to sit at the table. She was dressed in one of her nicer outfits. It was red silk with black lace and neckline that hung down a little far so that her breasts pressed up and were a little more visible than most women would allow. Her hair was pinned high above her neck, with jeweled earrings and a necklace to show off the curve of it and to draw attention to her breasts. Paris had heard that Naomi was a prostitute, and tonight she had dressed to play the part. She wondered if Naomi was working tonight or if this was just for fun. All of the girls had shown up. Penthesilia had put them to work immediately, even the ones that didn't work there. They were escorting people to their seats, they were taking tickets at the door. Penthesilia, Cynthia, and Cassandra were working at the bar, although Cassandra had to get on a step stool. Well, whiskey girl, you look pale. Are you ready? Naomi asked. Is anyone ever ready? Weren't you supposed to be taking tickets? Paris asked. I was until I accidentally stepped on the foot of the 11th and 12th guy who thought it was funny to ask if I came with the price of admission. I was told I should come here and check on you. Apparently they don't trust me anymore. That's okay. I'm glad you're here. Taking tickets is dull anyways. You haven't answered the question. How you doing? I'm fine. I've never been better. Paris took her glass of whiskey and sipped from it. Are you? Naomi took the whiskey from her. She pulled it out of her reach and set it on the other side of the table. She took the coffee and poured some into her mug. She took a mug for herself as well. So... They tell me you're a lesbian, Naomi stated simply as she poured some coffee for herself. Paris struggled to hold what she had drunk without spitting it back. (laughs) Is is that a question? 
Nice of them, whoever they are, to keep everyone informed. Paris commented, Is it true? I have not hidden it. When you look like me, and you dress as I do, there's no need hiding what everyone else guesses at. I have a few girlfriends who wouldn't mind. Would you like me to introduce them to you? How much would that cost me? Depends on how long you want them for. <laughs> I'm okay. Really. I know everybody thinks I'm a heartbroken mess. And maybe in a way I am. I can admit it. But I'm not looking for anyone new. I'm just looking for a way to stop thinking about her. Paris took her mug, sipped on it slowly, and then set it back down. You want a distraction? You can run away from home. You can drink. You can fight. If you're not willing to try sleeping around, then you haven't given it your all yet. Trust me, I know a girl who'll make you forget all about your little heartbreaker. I could talk her into giving you a discount. No, thank you. Well, if you change your mind, you know where to find me. Naomi picked up her mug, took a sip, then set the cup down and stared at Paris. There's whiskey in this. Yeah. I know, I put it there. Don't tell Celia. How is the crowd? You know Celia. She's selling every available spot. People in front have chairs, but other than that, everyone's just standing around. They've already run through two of the kegs. Is the sheriff out there? The sheriff, the mayor, even the minister. There are farmers and ranchers, the guy who owns the mercantile, and what looks like all of their wives. There's women in the audience? Of course there is! <laughs> this isn't just about you and Thomas anymore. Everyone is talking, and they want to see if a woman has any chance against a man. Oh, shit. Yeah, oh, shit. Everyone knows about Thomas and Alone. Apparently, he's living in a room down by the train station. He's been bragging that he's going to beat you easy and that no woman could stand up against a real man, and that it was he who left Elone, because she was smart-mouthed and insolent. But everyone knows that's bullshit, because if he kicked her out, why is she still living on the farm? That doesn't explain why there are so many women in the audience. Doesn't it? Their husbands bought the ticket so they can see you get beat. There's been a real rash of, shall we say, Back talk and sarcastic comments coming from what is supposed to be the fairer sex. Rumors of your class have gotten around. And some of the women are threatening to take the class if their husbands don't treat them with a little more respect. If I get more students, I'm going to need more room. I wonder if there's a dance hall I can rent. Don't get ahead of yourself, whiskey girl. You still have this fight to get through, and how the city reacts to your win or your loss may not be what you expect. There's no way I can lose. I'm glad to hear that, because Celia is taking money on you, and lots of the men are looking to cash in. She is the only one who has seen you in a real fight, but her faith in you has us all worked up. I won't let you down. We shall see. It sounds like it's almost time. Naomi stopped and listened to the crowd that had started to quiet down. They heard the sound of Penthesilia talking as loud as she could above everyone else. Naomi stood at the table and picked up Paris's glass of whiskey. Take my arm. 
I will escort you to the ring. She's not going to call you Whiskey Girl, is she? No, she promised. She's going to call me the Colorado Kid, Paris said with a smile. As they stood on the other side of the door just inside the kitchen, they listened to Penthesilia as she finally began to announce, And now, a girl who can outfight, outdrink, and outcook any man in Denver, our champion, the Whiskey Girl. Damn it, Celia, thought Paris as she stepped through the door with Naomi on her arm. Paris was dressed in a green men's button-up shirt. Eloni had tailored it especially for this fight. It had no sleeves, and it was well-fitted. She also had on a pair of tan knickers. She wore no shoes, and her hands were wrapped lightly with bandages. The men strained to see her as she walked down the small aisle left for her entrance from the kitchen. When they got to the ring on the platform slightly above the audience, Naomi crawled in first and then held the ropes up for Paris as she stepped in and up and now could be seen by the audience. Naomi led her to the middle of the ring and handed her her glass of whiskey, which still held about a half an inch of alcohol. Paris drank it all in one gulp, then handed the glass back to Naomi. Naomi raised it up in the air for the audience to see it was empty. They cheered. Then Naomi turned to Paris. Holding her cheek with her hand, she leaned in and kissed her on the lips. Holding the kiss until the audience grew quiet. Breaking it, she whispered, Don't fuck this up. Naomi turned to walk from the ring, but before she exited, she took a bow of her own. The audience whistled and catcalled her, Penthesilia signaled for Paris and Thomas to meet her in the center of the ring. All right, here are the rules, Penthesilia said as loud as she could. No punching below the belt, no kicking, no biting, no holding. This is a boxing match, not a bar brawl. You understand? She said, mostly looking at Paris. I know, Paris replied. I know you know, but it still has to be said. Now. Are you both ready? She asked. Thomas shook his head yes. Paris shrugged. Good. Then back to your corners, and when the bell rings, come out fighting. As she turned, she took an extra moment to wink at Paris. Then she left the ring. Paris stood in her corner. Stay calm. See the path. She repeated in her mind. He bends at the joints. He pivots in the middle. It's all predictable as long as you stay calm. She was almost whispering. Then the bell rang. Thomas charged after her. Paris easily stepped aside, watching him swing wild at nothing. It was the same mistakes Poe made. Poe was always trying to surprise her with furious attacks. Poe's attacks were less surprising than they were predictable. As Thomas charged forward, Paris did what Paris would do to Poe. She dodged purposefully at the very last second, and as Thomas stepped past her, his legs tangled in hers for a moment, and he fell. Paris walked to her corner as Thomas found his feet again. Thomas changed his stance and stopped charging after Paris. She was surprised to see his change in tactic. Often her brothers weren't smart enough to try something new. This time, he came at her more methodically. Slowly, his guard was up, his elbows covering his waist, his fists covering his head. He was taller, and with height came reach. 
His arms were literally longer than Paris's. Allowing him to punch her from a distance, she could not punch him back. This was a tactic her brother Alan would often try on her. Alan kept her at a distance. But the problem was, that meant his attacks had to come from further away and were slower and even easier to predict. Every time Thomas tried to punch her, Paris simply stepped aside and let the punch fly by. Every time a punch came near her, Thomas had to step in and the reach advantage was lost. For every punch he threw at her, she punched him twice. He missed her head, she hit him twice in the body. He missed her body, she struck him twice in the head. Every time Paris hit him, she didn't do nearly as much damage as he probably would have done, but the crowd loved it. They began to yell and cheer. Paris could hear them. They were rooting for her. She didn't expect that. But even the men who'd come to see her lose, in a way, they must have wanted her to win as well. Thomas stepped back, out of reach. Breathing hard, he circled backwards as Paris advanced. Thomas stopped. He opened his hands and stood arms out waiting for her. This was Hector's stance. Hector never tried to box Paris. Hector always managed to snag her. He would pick her up and hold her until she conceded. She could never beat Hector. But Thomas wasn't Hector. Paris advanced on him, guard up, elbows at her sides, fists protecting her head. She moved carefully forward. Thomas waited, not throwing a punch. Paris threw a quick jab into his ribs, and that was all it took. Thomas grabbed her around the wrist and pulled her in. His arms, like pythons, snapped around her, and he picked her up into a bear hug. Her chest against his, he lifted her off her feet. The crowd gasped in amazement, then began to cheer for Thomas. You got her now, boy! Someone yelled. You teach her a lesson! Came another voice. Thomas, break the hold! That's against the rules. You will be disqualified! Penthesilia screamed from the ringside. Thomas laughed and squeezed Paris tighter. You think I give a shit about the match? This isn't a game. I'm going to show this bitch the consequences of playing with the big boys. Thomas, you have three seconds. You break that hold or the match is over and you've lost. Fuck you, Celia, Thomas yelled. One, yelled Celia. Thomas laughed. Two, yelled Celia. Thomas squeezed tighter. Three, ring the bell. Penthesilia ordered, Cassandra sitting ringside with a bell and a tiny hammer. The winner of the match? Whiskey girl! Penthesilia yelled into the crowd. Then she turned up to the ring and yelled out, All right, whiskey girl, he's all yours, take him! Paris screamed as she pulled one arm free from his grasp. She only had her right arm, but she slammed it into his ear. Then she rammed her elbow into his collar. She felt the bone break. He immediately dropped her. She landed on her feet. She grabbed his wrist and with one hand slammed her palm into his shoulder with the other, the same shoulder that Alone dislocated earlier that week. She felt the bone pop out of socket. Thomas bellowed in pain. The crowd was silent. Paris kicked him in the knee and he fell. Paris punched him in the jaw as he looked up at her. His head spun and he collapsed unconscious on the floor. The crowd began to cheer. Whiskey girl! Whiskey girl! Penthesilia climbed back into the ring. She held up Paris's hand 
and announced as loud as she could, The winner, in every sense of the word, our champion, the Whiskey Girl. The crowd, still cheering, surrounded the ring. Penthesilia leaned into Paris so that she could be heard. Go on, you earned this. She pushed Paris to the edge of the ring, but the crowd would not part for her. Wait, um, what's going on? Paris asked. Just let it happen, it'll be okay. Penthesilia told her as she pushed her further to the edge. Hands grabbed her and picked her up, pulling her from the ring. Someone set her on their shoulders as others held her up from behind. They moved her slowly through the crowd above them, hands reaching up to shake hers. They set her on the bar, and she stood above them. They were still chanting, Whiskey girl! Whiskey girl! Cynthia took Paris's glass filled it with whiskey, and handed it to her. Paris raised it in the air as a salute. She drank the whole glass at once. The crowd cheered and applauded, then finally began to calm. Paris was allowed to sit atop the bar as men came to shake her hand and congratulate her. Their wives would often lean forward and kiss her on the cheek, thanking her. When the bar was clear enough to see, Paris saw that Thomas was gone. Nobody had seen him leave but somebody must have helped him out of the ring. She hoped he was okay. All right, everybody, the bar is closing. We need to clean up. Thank you for coming. Come back tomorrow. There will be food. There will be drinks. There will be no fighting, Penthesilia said as she pushed the remaining customers out of the bar, and when they were gone, she closed and locked the doors. It was still early, far earlier than they would normally close but the ring in the center of the dining room and all the tables stacked to the corner, the bar was not ready for anything else. Eloni had stepped up to Paris. She kissed her on the cheek as well. I'm sorry I got you into that. I meant to handle it all on my own, but watching you, it was glorious. Thank you. Eloni stood at the bar, and the rest of the girls gathered to congratulate her as well. Thank you, everyone. Your help was invaluable. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't have earned something, too. Here is a dollar for everyone who helped me tonight, and another 50 cents if you help me clean this place up, Penthesilia explained. Paris hopped off the bar. She began collecting the discarded beer glasses. Not you. You have the rest of the night off. Penthesilia took the glasses from her. Celia, do you mind if I borrow your girl? Naomi asked. Why? What are you going to do with her? Actually, on second thought, I don't want to know. Penthesilia set Paris's glass on the shelf with the full bottles. It glimmered in the light like a trophy. Don't let her drink. She's had enough for tonight. Don't worry. I'll return her unmolested. Are you sure that's what she wants? Celia, Paris complained. Just be back before bedtime. You have work in the morning, and all of you have class, so let's get to this. Penthesilia began collecting the mugs and glasses, and all of the girls began to help, as Naomi and Paris entered into the kitchen so that Paris could get dressed. Where are we going? Paris asked as she walked down the cold streets of Denver, Naomi's arm tucked in hers. I need to settle a debt, and I'm minding backup to do it, Naomi replied. Oh, is that all? Good, because I thought you were going to introduce me to your friends. Does that make you nervous? They'll be there. You could still meet them if you like. No, I'm okay. Really, I'm okay. Why not? Are you sleeping with Celia? You really aren't afraid to ask questions, are you? 
Should I be? Now, don't change the subject. Are you and Celia sleeping together? If we were, it wouldn't be any of your business. But for your information, although you have no right to it, I am staying in her room, but we are not having sex. <sighs> I see. Well, that's too bad. For a moment, I thought Celia finally got that stick out of her ass. I still think you're a good influence on her, though. This is the first time I've ever seen her give money away. She's not that bad. Oh, yeah? You make sure she pays you for what you did tonight. What do boxers make, anyway? Traditionally, I get the purse. That's the money put up for the fight. Forty dollars. The twenty dollars Celia put up, and the twenty dollars Thomas put up. Everything else goes to the promoter, or the bar, who in this case is the same person. Although, my father and uncles had a deal where they split all of the profits from everything evenly. That's not going to happen. But you make sure Celia gives you that forty dollars. I'm sure she will. I trust her. She's my friend. Trust her or don't trust her. If she doesn't give it to you, ask for it. Okay? We're here. Naomi announced as they stepped up to what looked like a boarding house, except the curtains were all red and it had a red painted door. Naomi, what is this place? It's a brothel. This is where I work. But I've decided to move out and go independent. I need to go in there and pay off my debt. If anyone asks, you're my fiancé and we are in love. We are going to get married and that's why I'm leaving. Got it? Naomi took from her purse an envelope and slipped it into one of the inner pockets of Paris's coat. That's the money I need. Give it to me when I ask for it, but otherwise keep it hidden. Naomi, I'm not going to have to fight my way out of there, am I? No, you won't. That's not going to happen, I'm sure of it. I promise. Nothing, absolutely nothing will go wrong. Nothing? Yes, nothing. Of that, I am almost entirely certain. What do you mean, almost? This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by... Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at helenoftheironhorse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you. Thank you.